follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Jeff Meller, Brian Hanley, hanging out with you for another hour here on ESPN 1000 and, of course, the ESPN Chicago app. You can always also listen to us on 100.3 HD2 or, of course, watch us live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago, brought to you by Blue Chew. Bri, um, it is official. The Bulls have signed Tory Craig. We knew Thank that, God. of course, uh, that uh, that was going to happen. But with the NBA's legal tampering period before things can be made official, I guess uh, I guess now, Sunday, July 16th, the Bulls officially announced that uh, Torrey Craig has been signed. So uh, I'm, I'm getting my, in my season ticket money in. All right. Off on you better, just, you uh, better hurry. Yeah, I was just making sure because, you know, some you might have a hiccup here. But now I can go ahead and commit to 41 games or whatever that's going to look like. There you go. All right, so as we were heading to break, I mentioned uh, to turn our attention to the bear hair. But I don't mean the Chicago Bears, Bri. I mean the bear. The FX show available to stream on Hulu, which I think uh, anybody who has um, sampled it, they've probably gone about it and uh, are watch- either currently watching season two um, or maybe uh, getting into it. It's a It's a great show. It's actually... The show is uh, based in Chicago. At least the uh, restaurant that everything is centered around is a is a based on a fictional um, restaurant that essentially is uh, mist- it's based on Mr. Beef. Yeah, but um, you know, so it's uh, loosely based on that, and it is a show that I think anybody who, if you've checked it out, you probably it's cool to see the Chicago scenery if you have you know any type of. Um, intimate relationship with the city. It's it that in itself, I think, makes it worth a watch. And then if you factor uh, factor in just the fact that it is really well acted and it's a great, I think personally, a great storyline and does a lot about you know a lot just, of layers to it. Absolutely, and, and and great writing and the references to everything so Chicago from restaurants to I mean the fact that Italian beef sandwiches last year when the bear became the hit that it is. Mm-hmm. From New York to L.A. and every city in between the coasts, Italian beef sandwiches that were on the menu in some Italian restaurants, say, in New York, and they might have sold 10 a day, if that. Yes. Now they're selling 200. They couldn't, they couldn't you know, keep all the, the fixings in stock. To, they it, didn't know how to, how to even predict how many they're going to sell because everyone wanted want to try the Italian staples. beef, sure. That we grew up on, and God bless, you know, Carm knows Johnny's Beef is my favorite spot on North Avenue growing up. And when you say Carm, you mean Carmen DeFalco, right? Not Carm Carm in the show, Carmi. No, no, no. Carm who who, who touts everything that's good about the the stretch on North Avenue and Elmwood Park. Yes. And rightfully so. But, I mean, that was a bicycle ride from my house, and and even driving past it to, to go out, visit family, I just glance over, and there's always a line out the door at Johnny's Beef. No, no matter what time of day it is. And, hey, what you got? You want that dipped? Yes. You know, juicy? Okay, you got that dipped. You want sweet? You want hot? You know, it's, 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 they're, they're everywhere in the city, rightfully so. And the rest of the country is just becoming aware of it because of the bear. Yeah, I mean, talk about just completely being oblivious to the fact that, you know, just living in the city for uh, my entire life, for the most part, you know, just having no 
idea that folks were unaware of what Italian beefs actually were, just because, like you said, it's just a staple of the city. But I digress. So uh, the bear uh, basically um, has been the hit show, one of the newer hit shows uh, on FX. And uh, it also, uh, for some folks who may not be uh, familiar with it, it is what the Bears based their schedule release video on which has become all the rave across football um, when teams release their, you know, their schedules on the NFL schedule release date, you know, teams oftentimes will make a video in conjunction with it now because it just goes viral and social media. It's a way to get um, and interact with your fans. And the Chicago bears based their schedule release on the bear, the series and where you saw lots of appearances made by Justin Fields and plenty of other current members of the team. So I digress though. I enjoyed this season. Now you're still currently going through the the uh, season, right, Brian? You're not finished. I'm still catching up. Yeah. Which yeah, and and I don't think you will be disappointed when you do. Assuming you do complete it, I think you'll be. Uh, oh, I'm going to complete it. And and between you, you know, asking where I'm at mm-hmm. and, and neighbors and friends and everyone's like, oh, I won't won't tell you any more about it. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still trying to wrap up series from last year that you know I'm pretty much toward the end and before I. Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, maximize my efficiently trying to wrap up series before I get too deep into the other ones. I love what I've seen of the bear, obviously. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I do have a little chunk here that I want to play, which I think Chicago fans will. It's going to drum up, I think, some a, a real debate here. But we're up against it. So I'm not going to I don't I'm going to hold it off for one moment here. We'll take a quick time out. And when we come back, the bear, the FX series drubs up a 20-year-old debate. Do we finally have a final verdict? I'll let Brian hear it, and I'll let him decide whether he agrees with it or not. The Bear, coming up next. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Hanging out with you till 11 o'clock. Jesse Rogers jumps on about 15 minutes from now. We'll pick his brain on the Major League Baseball trade deadline and what the Chicago Cubs and White Sox should be expecting in return for some of the key assets, assuming, of course, that both do the prudent thing and become sellers at the trade deadline. But as we were heading to break, uh, Brian, I was talking about the bear. And um, this is, don't worry, no spoilers here, folks. This is for anybody who is from Chicago. This is absolutely not going to spoil the show in any way for you. Don't worry about it. I have uh, about a two-minute clip here from season two. And again, don't worry. It's nothing that will spoil anything from the series. I promise you that. So if you're in the midst of watching it like Bri, I am not going to spoil any of the plot for you. But this is a scene between Oliver Platt, who plays the role of Uncle Jimmy, in the FX series, The Bear. And I think uh, most people, he's he's a definite that guy, Oliver Platts. Um, he's been in yeah. plenty of films if, throughout his career. If you don't know his name, you see that face and yes. that body and like that guy. I've Absolutely. Seen, and, and, so, and he's always turns in great performances. And, um, you know, he was one of the 13, uh, 13 Emmy nominations for the show. So yes. that guy is still doing it at a high level. Yes. And so that guy, Oliver Platt, does most of the speaking here to his nephew, Carmi, who is played by Jeremy Allen White's. Uh, Carmen Carmi Berzato. And uh, this is a little pep talk that uh, Uncle Jimmy 
is giving to CARM. May I share with you a story of complete and utter failure? Yes, I've been waiting. Wonderful. Do you remember Alex Gonzalez, shortstop for the Cubs? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Right, and it's a shame you don't think so, but I'm going to explain why you don't think so. He's a good player, solid player, moved around a lot. Cubs had him like two years. One of those years, they're playing the Marlins, uh-huh. right? Cubbies up 3-1, top of the eighth, game six, National League Championship f-ing series, mm-hmm. okay? They win, they go to the World Series, which at this point, they hadn't been in like, I don't know, 45 years, okay? Run, run first, run, run second. There's one out. Miguel Cabrera hits a choppy little thing to Gonzalez, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, an easy grab, no f***ing brainer kind of thing, but for whatever reason... Gonzalez is like, oh, maybe I'll catch it with my hand. And then, oh, maybe I'll catch it with my glove. And then, oh, maybe I'll catch it with both. He bobbled the ball. Didn't make the double play. Couldn't send the cups the ninth. Unforced error. Right? The result of that, bases are loaded. And the result of that, well, hell breaks loose. Error after error after error. Oh, man. The cups fall apart at the seams. Marlins score five runs. Cups lose. So why don't we remember him? Because that very same inning, several plays earlier, Luis Castillo hits a foul ball with left outfield, right? And, oh, my God, it looks like, it feels like, it smells like Moises Alou going to grab that f***ing thing and the Cubs going to be four outs from the pennant. But instead, just as Moises is jumping for the ball, a fan in the stands inches from Moises does what any god person would do with a god ball flying towards him in a major league sporting venue he tries to catch it but his glove bumps into moises's glove the ball drops and end of play you cubbies barman bartman yeah and everyone wants to kill little stevie bartman but alex gonzalez is up trust me it's the real up right let the eight other f-ups. but then all of a sudden all those for a wash because of Stephen Bartman because everybody and their mother wants to blame this guy instead of the actual mother ups who f***ed it up just a normal guy right you know with normal headphones is reaching for a foul ball on a lovely night at Wrigley and he ends up taking the blame for an entire squad who literally took their eye off the ball Okay, so we don't want to be barman, right? No, dumbass. You want to be Gonzalez. You don't want to be unfocused. All right, Spry. So uh, I loved it. Uh, as I was watching that unfold, I was amused because do we finally have the definitive telling of the Bartman story and ultimately the blame being thrust on Alex Gonzalez and the entire 2000, 2003 Cubs team? Has Oliver Platt finally rendered the Bartman story over? I God bless the writers. Mm-hmm. God bless Oliver Platt. I, for years, immediately following the quote-unquote Bartman game. Yep. And and during that game, you had the likes of John Cass, the, the then columnist yes. of the Tribune, descending upon said Bartman section, trying to, to get him to, to talk in the, in the immediate aftermath. Brian, we had Wayne Dre's working here, you know, yeah. staking out, uh, yeah. you know, you know, uh, Bartman. And security had to hustle him out for his own safety. I mean, Alex Bleepin Gonzalez makes a bleepin, just cleanly fields a yes. double play ball and none of it. 
I mean, people can boo. They would have booed because and that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's, it's Leon Durham in 1984. Yep. But it, yeah. You can control what you can control, and you could have been out of that inning. You could have been out of that game. You could have been in the World Series. And Alex Bleepin Gonzalez, good player, solid player, moved around a lot. <laughs> um, that that don't remember. I always said, just go ahead and and make the plays you had to make. And it's all an asterisk, a footnote, and and everyone say, hey, remember that? It could, boy, that could have been ugly. Well, it was ugly because you didn't make the play. Yes. Um, and certainly it's, I think, a lot more palatable because 13 years later when they finally do end the curse in 2016, people can finally in some ways get past the whole Bartman play. But I was I was thoroughly amused and I, it led me to thinking. So, you know, this is such a you know, it's a it's a two and a half minute chunk in the middle of a, a series that uh, a lot of folks, you know, uh, a prestige series that a lot of folks really are enamored with. And it's based in Chicago. So. Um, I loved it, and from obviously our purposes, talking sports every day, and in no doubt, Bartman, we've spent a large portion, you know, a significant portion of our careers discussing that particular play and instance. I loved that it is uh, uh, dredged up in the bear t- almost 20 years later, uh, just shy in, of it. Last year, they did a rant um, about the Blackhawks, I believe, celebrating Denny Savard's Hall of Fame induction which I covered up in Toronto, and that was a fun night. Yeah. But, I mean, some things you would have to really be a Chicago sports yes. fan to, to understand. But, the, you know, they referenced Chris Chelios. And, I mean, and, uh, I mean, so they incorporate all that. It, look, this series had me in the opening uh, segment of the, uh, of the first episode of the first series or the first season last year mm-hmm. when our own beloved late great Lynn Bramer was the you know the, the setting the was, scene yeah yeah setting the, the scene as if he was on the radio yep. and and god bless they're going to celebrate lynn at the metro on uh, august 19th for a celebration of his life um on his what would be his 69th birthday but that anyone who grew up in chicago knows lynn bramer yes. right i mean and, and and generations have listened to to lynn and so it's 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 become a a nationwide hit but still in Chicago, yes, you have to be a Chicagoan to appreciate Absolutely. so many different elements to the show. And, Jer- and Jeremy Allen White, if people don't know, I mean, shameless. Yes, he, he only he, does, he only plays Chicago characters apparently. At, right? And he said, I mean, he lives in New York. Yes, like basically, Chicago is my adopted hometown. In it, I mean, my career is Chicago, and Chicago is my career. I mean, it's he has found work here and he has been stellar in both series yeah and you know i i haven't actually uh sat down to really put together uh the best chicago-based tv series of all time but the bear is quickly ascending up the list of all-time great series for me um and so anybody who i, I think any chicago and will love the the bear if you haven't started watching it check it out it is definitely um great tv right now and i'll also add i was thinking about this it you know it's so intricately woven into the the uh, episode they use the Steve Bartman you know story there. I was trying to think like like what other famous moments in sports history are are like woven in so well into whether it be TV or film, right? Like like that's a that's a large chunk of the show. It's like you know twenty five minute show usually per episode, right? You're talking roughly ten percent of that show that episode 
was you know they 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 devoted to the Steve Bartman story, the telling of that. And I love I love that you know that uh, Carm Jeremy Allen White says so. You don't want to be Bartman, no, <laughs> exactly. No, don't want to be Gonzalez. Keep your I mean, eye on the prize. Yeah. Um, I was trying, like, the only thing I, that came to mind was, like, um, you know, like, because I'm not talking about a famous sports moment that, like, was made into a movie, like the Miracle, right? Obviously, Miracle, uh, the Miracle on Ice, Miracle yeah. was obviously its, its own, the whole movie is based on the actual events of the 1980 U.S. Olympic team upsetting Russia and then eventually, I'm sorry, the Soviet Union, and then eventually going on and uh, winning gold in the 1980 Olympics. You know, that, that but like, w- like, Goodwill Hunting came to mind, right? Um, Fisk, his his famous home run in Game Six, right where yep. Robin Williams tells the story to a uh, young Matt Damon and tells him all about how you know the Game Six he had tickets to the game and how he didn't end up going because he went to go see about a girl. Like I was trying, that was the only other one that came to mind. Where I was like, wow, they really took that whole thing. They devote a lot of time to it, and then it's part of the whether it be the piece of art, whether it's the film or the T V series. I was I was really fascinated to see the bear, you know, devote so much time to that to the Bartman play and then to think about it, we're coming up on twenty years uh this October when uh you know the twenty year anniversary of the Steve Bartman play. Yeah, and, and speaking of miracle and you know, that was basically you're fighting a Cold War and so you're not fighting an actual war, but you're trying to show supremacy over the Soviet Union, and you're doing it through basically what is a Soviet Union professional team, you mm-hmm. know, yes. in the guise of an Olympic team. Yes. Before everyone, you know, pros are at every level in the Olympics. But back then it was the the amateur pickup team for the United States upsetting the, the huge favorite. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the all-star team that composed the Soviet Union. And Vladdy Tretiak was the, the when I was covering the, the Hawks and the and the dark ages mm-hmm. he was the goaltender yes. coach for the blackhawks and he was on the soviet team he was chased from the net right in that correct game, yeah first yeah. period right yeah and um flatty was uh he was a gentleman i always enjoyed being around him and but yeah it's just like wow i mean from sitting there in college watching that unfold and and then and that was the the semi-final game right i mean mm-hmm. but that was that was correct. we're all sitting there holding our breath to see how it all unfolded. So yeah, it, 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 sometimes they can incorporate sports, but like you said, miracle was just larger than life and was going to, and they did a terrific job with it. I mean, obviously they, they, you know, who's the kid who did the, um, the, the video went viral. He did a imitation. Of, oh yeah. Um, yeah. The, the speech, the Herb Brooks speech, right? Yeah. Her, he's dressed in his little suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, but I mean that, yeah, that, that speech and and that that group and and that moment was was huge. A Disney classic, uh, Miracle, also worth a watch if you've never seen it. Um, uh, and of course, the U.S. had to go on and defeat Finland to actually secure the gold medal. Yep. It wasn't actually beating the USSR that that uh, won them the gold. They had to go ahead and uh, beat Finland as well. Um, do you agree with the premise that it was that Bartman did what any fan would do, or what was your position back then, Bry? Or, or, or does a fan yeah, need I- to know better? Well, I mean, I always contended that he didn't actually uh, outstretch his arms into the field of play. Ooh. Yes, I mean, he was I mean, in. Yeah, he, and, and and I mean, Moises Alou. If if Moises Alou doesn't throw his hands up, correct, in, in, in you know exhaustion or or like you know, in 
can't believe what just happened. Yeah. If he doesn't give you that body language, yes, completely does that even become a thing? Yeah. The complete meltdown by Alou definitely aided yeah. in the um, the vilifying of Steve Bartman. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jeff Meller. Up next, we talk with Jesse Rogers as the Major League Baseball trade deadline approaches. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. by our buddy Darren on Twitter. He said that uh, Silver Linings Playbook incorporating the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson at the 10 when he uh, just drops the ball before heading into the end zone famously. That's a good one. That's exactly well done, what Darren. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Goodwill Hunting. And of course, the Bears' use of the Bartman play. Talking a little about that. But now it's an opportunity to bring in our ESPN MLB insider. He covers baseball for ESPN. Jesse Rogers does a fine job covering all of baseball, but also, of course, the Cubs and White Sox, which is why we want to bring him on today as the Major League Baseball trade deadline approaches. Fresh off of a red-eye flight, Jesse Rogers joins us nice and peppy. What's going on, Jess? I'm good, guys. Good morning. What's happening? Not much, man. Thanks for uh, waking up early. We appreciate it, bud. Uh, all right, so as the trade deadline approaches here, it feels like, well, get to the White Sox, but the Cubs are the one that have at least I think a little bit more of an interesting decision to make. Are they really going to kind of wait the next 14 or 15 games to determine what their plan will be as the trade deadline approaches here? Or are Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman just too good of an asset to let walk out the door for nothing? No, I think they're waiting. I think there's a few teams waiting and they're one of them all the way up until the end. If they can, if it becomes you know really clear this week, That'll change things, right? It, it won't. Be, it won't ever become really clear the other way. Meaning, um, you know, I don't unless they just win every game left in July. Like even as they get closer to five hundred, let's say this month, I still think Jets got to make some hard decisions. Um, but it could go easy on them the other way if they just start losing a bunch of games here at home. They're one and one so far since since the break. So yeah, I, 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 under whatever normal circumstances you want to call it. They're going to wait as long as they possibly can. There's nothing wrong with that. Most teams do anyway. Other teams get a little desperate. You can extract the most out of them if you do end up trading. Um, and if you somehow add, you wait as long as you can to know exactly what you need as well. Though I said last week they should have added a left-handed reliever during the break. Give David Ross the best chance in that bullpen you can give them, even in an in a all-star break type trade. They didn't necessarily do that. So we'll see. We'll see. Um but more likely than not, they're probably going to sell, right? I think they want to – I think he wants every reason not to. But they've got to get back to 500. They've got to get back to a little bit closer to, 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 to the other two teams in front of them. Just give Jed a real sign, a real sign. And I think he'd stand pat or maybe add that reliever. I don't think he's going to add a ton, but at the very least maybe stand pat. But he has to be given a, a – a, a legitimate, re- realistic reason to do it. And if the standings are the same as they are now uh, on, on July 30th, different story. I think he's selling. Well, Jess, if if, if they are waiting and, and legitimately, I mean, Fangraphs has the Cubs and basically uh, just about 10% chance to make the playoffs. 
Marcus Stroman is not shy about sharing his thoughts on anything. Uh, certainly on his contract, he addressed it again yesterday and says he doesn't see an extension coming in season. Chad didn't really, I mean, he, he basically said, well, the player can talk about it, but we're not going to. As a Cubs fan, as Cub fans out there, how should you read that, not only in terms of this season, but obviously Marcus can opt out. And yesterday he said something, as much as he loves it here, he he said he's he's always very good outside of here too. Uh, I think he just means he's happy in life. But um, the love he professes sincerely for the Cubs and, and the Cub fans, it just seems like he's he's all about business and he understands he could be happy in another location, another uniform too. And you also referenced the idea of possibly coming back in free agency. Other guys have done that before. Look. Nobody was happier as a Cub than Anthony Rizzo ever, right? This was right. Mr. Cub of, of this generation, and he moved on. It's just what happens. Um, why they aren't extending him offers now? Look, Cody Bellinger's not complaining that he's not getting an offer now. You know, there, there's, there's all sorts of reasons behind it, right? We don't know exactly each of them other than one is keeping your options open for a losing team. Like, you know, the, the Rockies signed Daniel Bard mid-year last year, and everybody was scratching their head. Like, when you are losing, uh, and it's not really the game plan of that season, you don't just start handing out money. I mean, that, that's what's going through their mind. Like, okay, we've got to rethink these things. Um, most teams don't start handing out contracts in losing years. Now, maybe at the end of the year, maybe before he opt out, that's a different story. So, I don't find any of this that unusual. Player professes he wants to stay, and the team's not ready to, to, to make him stay. Or maybe they don't want him. Maybe they don't want to offer him a big contract. Maybe they don't want to start going down that road of disrespect mid-year, right? And, and maybe they don't want him because they, they project him in the future as someone that's not going to age well. Like, there's a lot of reasons. Why didn't the Cubs want Wilson Contreras, right, uh, uh, at, at his number? Why didn't they want Rizzo at his number? So there's all sorts of reasons that, that go behind it. But the main reason is our season's not going the right way. We're going to keep our options open as, as it comes to a close. And as July comes to a close, we're going to keep our options open so we can at least improve on one end. We're not going to improve in the standings, but we can improve in the, in the farm, for example. So that, that's some of the reasons why he's not getting a deal right now. Jesse Rogers joining us on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline here on ESP 1000. Miller and Hanley with you till 11 o'clock. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably if you read between the lines, Jess, you know, you look at Stroman in particular, Stroman loves it here. Maybe he loves it here because Jed's put a great defense up the middle in front of him. And as a non not, you know, a non-traditional power pitcher who doesn't strike out as many as some aces across the league, maybe Stroman recognizes this is the best place for him to continue pitching. And Jed recognizes that, you know what, while we love the production you've had, we don't necessarily think you're worth the money that you're probably going to command on the free agent market once you hit it. All of that is possible. Or maybe he's got a team that loves Marcus Stroman. He can get their top prospect, and he can't get a top prospect from anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, let, it, you keep your options open. Maybe they will end up keeping him. They ended up keeping him, Will Contreras, and, and he walked for, Ooh, for a draft pick. That here. would be a disaster, though, wouldn't it? Well, it prob- probably, yes. I'm, I'm all for, like, my, my saying is if you're going to lose uh, in the standings, win something over the summer, and that something would be the trade deadline. Yeah. Like, don't make it a lost summer. Um, I mean, Cody Bellinger, in my mind, is actually even more interesting and more important, to be honest. Not that starting pitchers are a dime a dozen, but he's a right-handed starter mm-hmm. in his 30s. Like, 
All right. I, I, I mean, tr- once you trade him, you got to replace him. But Cody Bellinger is a left-handed slugger who has found his game yep. and is so valuable, so valuable. I mean, Brian Cashman should back up the prospect truck for 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 uh, Cody Bellinger if if if, uh, if it comes to it at the end of this month. The Yankees have been on a four-year search for left-handed hitting. They've gone through Matt Carpenter. They've gone through Joey Gallo. They've given Anthony Rizzo multiple contracts because they know how valuable it is. Left-handed power hitting is so valuable. Look at the Cubs. They've been trying to replace Rizzo and Schwarber, and uh, they have with one guy. You you actually need two good lefty hitters in your lineup. I mean, two sluggers. Look at most great teams. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper. Cubs replace, and once they trade Bellinger, they're going to have to replace him, but at least get a haul for him. And I can guarantee you this, he's not signing before the deadline. He's also not signing before free agency. So there's no mystery with Bellinger. Yeah. Um, it's not the, up the team. It's not going to be up to the team. Bellinger is going to go to free agency no matter what. So to me, he's the guy you most likely have to move. Unfortunately, he's also got such great value for your own team, but you may not have it past September. So, What's the point? So, again, it's a tough call, but you have to do it if the standings dictate it. All right, so the Cubs are legitimately waiting. Why would the Sox be waiting? And, and the reports are the Reds have checked in, the Dodgers have checked in, uh, obviously with just over two weeks to go. Lucas Giolito, I don't know what he could do in another start or two to improve his stock appreciably. He is who he is and maybe is a, a short of Shohei Otani being on the market. Um, he's the best pitcher available. Rick Hahn, what are you waiting? I mean, what are, what are they waiting for? And two, I see, you know, Sox fans on Twitter expecting three, you know, two players off the roster and three top prospects. What's legitimate in terms of, of return for Lucas Giolito purely as a rental and, and you don't expand the deal by throwing in Ronaldo Lopez for the Dodgers or whomever. Right. So first of all, it takes two to tango, Brian. I mean, the other team has to, say something that Rick Hahn likes, now they're more likely to say it the closer to the deadline. It's just the same old story. Like Teams wait as long as they can before giving up assets. Uh, let's say the, uh, t- the Yankees trade for him and their starting shortstop goes down. And now you've given up your assets for a pitcher when you are desperate for a shortstop. Like You wait as long as you can for that reason to make sure the position that you're trading for is the one you need because you only have so many assets to give up. But, look, that doesn't mean it can't happen today. I'm just saying most of the time they wait it out. Um, because I don't think one extra start out of Giolito is, is going to make the difference for teams. Like They're going to wait a couple more, and they're going to see what he looks like and then, and then, and then make the call on the, on the prospect call they give up. So waiting is just about – it takes two to tangle, and it, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, he gets you back a couple prospects. Now, what does he get you back? Is it top – a top 10 and a top 20. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, it all depends. And you mean, um, you mean within that organization's yeah. top 10 and top yes, 20. Not, not, yeah. No, no, that's okay. I just want to clarify for the listeners out there. Yeah. Within your organization, it's, it, it, it just goes by, it's almost like a math equation. If you're going to get three, well, they're probably all going to be between 10 and 20. If you're going to get two, you're going to get a top 10 and a top 15. If it's going to be one, you might get a top five. Now you don't get a one, two or three, because he's a free agent in two months. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about a one, two, or three prospect from another organization. So it's like maybe a seven and a 12, maybe a nine, a 13, and an 18. That's kind of what you get uh, for a starting pitcher, one of the better ones on the market. 
Um, is it quality over quantity or quantity over quality? But think something like that. Uh, there are exceptions to every rule. Uh, Otani would get a huge haul, obviously, because he's two players, yes. even though it's only for two months. But a pitcher like Giolito, he's kind of one below the elite, free agent two months. It's a couple prospects, a couple decent ones, but they're not the number one from another franchise. They're not a can't-miss prospect necessarily, but it should be a good one. It should be a good one, at least one from another team, if not two. Jess, as we let you go here, uh, do you think Shohei Otani will ultimately be dealt by the Angels at the deadline? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. The way the standings are going for them, um, despite this late win they had last night, it's a free fall for the Angels. They're without Trout. Um, they're going to wait to the last minute. I'm going to say yes. Now, I'll say a caveat here because there is a chance he resigns with them. They're in the mix. There is a chance. And the one thing, if you think you have that player who's been on your team this long, you could always say, oh, we'll trade him and resign him. You know, we were talking about that with the Cubs. But once you open the door for him to be in another organization, for him to have to move his family, all right, like once you open that door, John Lester talked about this. Mm-hmm. Once he left the Red Sox, he was much less likely to re-sign with them because he already even traveled across the country to Oakland. He understood what another team was all about. Like it opened his mind to free agency. And you certainly might be doing that to Otani if he leaves. But the bottom line is he's going to go through that free agency process no matter what. So even if you kept him and you thought you had a good chance of re-signing him, it's not like he's going to re-sign on you know, October 15th. He's going to re-sign after talking to a bunch of other teams. So I think you roll the dice and you make the trade and you overhaul your prospect base and then you make your pitch in the offseason. And, of course, you go to them. You go to them this month and say, hey, we still love you. We're going to make you a huge offer come November 1st, but this is what we're getting for you now. we got to do the deal. But they, they will wait until the last minute, probably to sell every possible ticket at home before they make that move and take the PR hit that they do. Good stuff, Jess. Thanks for hopping on, man. We appreciate you waking up a little bit early for us. You got it, guys. Be well. Talk Je- to you later, Brian. Thanks, Jess. Jesse Rogers joining us here on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline on ESPN 1000. All right, Brian, a couple of numbers in focus when we come back next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. All right, I got a few numbers for the folks as we wrap things up here on ESPN 1000. Brian, uh, White Sox pregame coverage against the Braves starts at noon today. Of course, uh, first pitch coming your way right around 1230. All right, so uh, one first number I got for you, Bri. Uh, Novak Djokovic currently in pursuit of trying to extend his Grand Slam men's singles title from 23 to 24. He currently trails Carlos Alcaraz uh, in the third set here. So we shall see their uh, uh, one set apiece. And Alcaraz is up three games, three three games to one in the third. I'm sorry, three matches to one here in the uh, third set. So uh, we'll see if Djokovic can go ahead and extend his uh, record for majors in Wimbledon. You a big tennis guy, Brian, or no? Uh, no, I mean, played it 
growing up because it was kind of a hot thing mm-hmm. in the 70s, a lot of park district programs it was and the, stuff like that? It was the pickleball, pickleball before its time. Exactly. You're, well, well <laughs> done, yeah. But uh, beyond that, I, I'm not a breakfast at Wimbledon guy. But okay. That, that's pretty impressive. 23 going I would say so. Actually, and, and yeah. honestly, really, uh, Wimbledon, I'm only a tennis majors guy, and usually – uh, not until we get until the, uh, the the quarters and semifinals as well. So I'm not a big tennis guy, but when the majors are here, I will uh, check in and usually watch what's going on. So uh, that, that match is currently underway at Wimbledon, the final there. Uh, another number, LeBron James switching from number six, his jersey number six to 23 for the Lakers next season. Um, said that he wanted to honor Bill Russell for one final season. That's why he kept it last year. But now that the NBA has officially retired number six across the league, he is going to hang it up as well. And he will go back to the old number that he donned for the Cleveland Cavaliers for so many years. Um, his first time as a member of the Lakers, he'll wear number 23. Well, Bill Russell, uh, you know, LeBron stands on shoulders of, uh, of greats and, and Bill Russell is certainly that. Yes, no doubt about it. And then finally, another story that caught my eye, Tyreek Hill uh, on his podcast has said that he's going to break 2,000 yards receiving next year with the Dolphins. Your thoughts, Brian? Uh, well, get DJ Moore a podcast and have him say the same thing. And then I'm Oh, really I like where your head's at. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Well, if DJ Moore hit 2,000 yards receiving for the Bears, he would, I think, immediately be in the top five of Bears' all-time leading receivers, right? Which because, says more about the Bears I mean, than anything else. I, I, I'm being uh, a little bit facetious there, but <laughs> yeah. I, it, he'd be close, honestly, not oh, that far off. Lord. He'd yeah. probably be in the top 20 with a 2,000-yard season. Oh, Man, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I heard uh, I heard Sylvie the other day uh, talking about betting the over for DJ Moore on receiving yards uh, going over 800, and... Man, like, it seems like that's a no-brainer, right? As long as DJ Moore stays healthy, you would think he'll, he should hit yeah. 1,000 yards. I'm sorry. Justin, but here, odds makers don't just throw a dart and come up with a number. No, right? I, no, absolutely. I think the key is, you know, whenever you're betting an over or an under here, um, you have to be worried about the guy staying healthy, right? That's always a factor. Well, but, but 800 seems too good to be true. Of course he's going to go over 800. And, you, know, where's, you know, let me lock that bet in now. It just seems. It just seems. If I was going to make that bet, I'd probably go the other way. But I'm not because I want him to exceed 800 by uh, by hundreds of yards. But that just seems too low. And when it seems too low, it's probably about right. No, there's no doubt about it. So uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see what actually. If they if he doesn't hit 800 yards, we've got a problem. And the, oh, Bear, the Bears season, yeah, we have a problem. The season Bears season has been a disaster. All right, that does it for us, folks. Meller and Hanley with you every Sunday from nine to eleven. Up uh, at twelve o'clock, White Sox pregame coverage. Chicago White Sox against the Atlanta Braves. First pitch coming away at twelve thirty. Cease versus uh, Colby Allard. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later on ESPN One Thousand.